Well, welcome back. I'm David Peck, and you're listening to On Point. We have a, can I call you a super special guest? We have George Strombolopoulos here with us tonight. He's host and producer of The Strombo Show on Apple Music, and you guessed it, that's listened to in 165 countries around the world. George, I can't believe you. we have you on air tonight. Thanks for joining me on the show. Buddy, I've known you as long as I've known anybody in the world. It's really nice to uh, to be with you, to speak with you. Now, I can see you via this uh, video conference, yes. um, but it, it is really nice to see you and be with you, and you sound great on here. Thanks, man, and so so good to see you as well. I uh, it's it, it feels like we're just we just pick up where we left off, and that's yeah. that's always super. So you sound really busy. Can you give us a really quick overview? I'm sure Canadians are interested to know where you're at and what you're doing. You gave me a little rundown there, and I'm yeah. I'm a bit concerned. <laughs> no, hey, I mean, I do this music show uh, every day for Apple. I do music and interviews for them. Uh, I work with the World Food Program still as an ambassador on the board of Artists for Peace and Justice, a charity that raises uh, money and does work on the ground in Haiti. Uh, I do that. And then, you know, between that, I'm on the Juries and Film Festivals. I'm making a couple of films, working as a music supervisor on other films, composing songs for films, and uh, continuing to do my interviews. And I started a book club with Apple called Strombo's Lit. And then somewhere in there, David, the most important thing in my life, I'm going to Burning Man. And I cannot wait for that. That's going to be my, I've been there, this will be my seventh year, and I just can't wait to go. That's crazy. Is it the caffeine pills, George? You know, what's funny is that I didn't I didn't drink coffee up until about, I would say, four years ago, three years ago, because uh, I don't eat during the day. I find that to keep my energy up, I don't eat. I only eat dinner. And interesting. When I, and so I'll have a couple of coffees, cold brews only uh, during the day. That's nice. it. I quit Red Bull of all the things I quit. Like I don't drink alcohol, do drugs. I'm vegan. I don't eat meat or dairy. The, of all the things I quit, Red Bull was the hardest Oh, is that right, eh? Yeah, dude, it was because, I mean, I just, I craved it in the morning. I think I'm a slightly addictive personality, maybe a lot. So I was like, man, I need that. So I got rid of all that, have a couple of cold brews in the morning. But, and you, listen, you've known me um, since I was probably 10 years old. And I don't know how you would remember me, but I feel like I have the same joy and drive in my heart now that I did when I was 10 and 17 and 30. So it's, it's, I'm kind of driven by, just the experience more than anything and so i can get up and if i have to do it i'll do it and let's just go you know so i kind of uh, i kind of enjoy i want adventure in my life right i've always craved it and uh and so i just went really hard to create space where i can do that george do you ever find it hard to 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 live the moment like to really enjoy the directing enjoy the motorbike ride the you know the sitting on the board that boring dull meeting that you've got it you know what i mean is, yeah. is that tough Sometimes because I because I'm a dreamer in many respects, I I'm always creating things. And I think when you sure. create all the time, you uh, there's a version of you that's elsewhere. Right. right. Um, nice. But I don't. But in a weird way, I'm getting better at it. I, you know, a long time ago, I used to always think I was building something in my career. And then I realized ages ago that there's nothing to build. This is it. Right. And it's just how you choose to operate. And I became very present tense. Now, of course, I'm elsewhere when I'm I'm strategic about the next step of my career. Right, of course. I, you know, I, I work, I have two other non-media businesses that are completely insane if they ever happen. And so I'm definitely elsewhere there in the planning because a lot of it is planning for another result but w the motorcycle riding is the one place where it takes me a day or two on the trip if i can ride for a week or so it takes me a day or two to discard all of the things that have been weighing on me sure and then somewhere around midway through day two i got my airpods on i'm listening to the grateful dead or roger waters or something and sure and then i'm 
then I'm right there. And then you know that everything's going to be okay. Yeah, totally. And, <laughs> and, and, and even more importantly, and this is my life, is that I just don't think anything matters, right? Mm. So, you know, what matters is how you treat people. But what matters is the actions, not sure. the things. I don't think life is stasis. And so it's when good. I'm on the, yeah, when I'm on my bike and I'm just riding, especially when I'm on a road trip, you know, I'm a few days in, I got my tent on the back. I'm a little tired. I'm eating sunflower seeds. And then I catch a whiff of the trees wherever I am. It's like, right, right. That's where my lizard brain gets activated. It's, it's, it's a challenge and an affirmation, George. I'm always, I, I live off a to-do list. Yeah. I'm always in the next moment, the next project. And thankfully I got, I got people around me who love me and are pulling me back, you yeah. know, stay present, enjoy the, the moment. The listing is interesting. The listings, I just started making lists. I don't really do them, but I do it a little bit. And I've realized how productive you can be if you have a list. Yeah, you we, we cut to a shot of you just turning your camera around and your walls covered in post-it notes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be hilarious. So, George, this is going to seem like such a, 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 a maybe a silly question. So, Muppets, Alice Cooper, uh, you know, you know, you and I go way back. Guns and Roses, Bob Dylan, right? Yeah, yeah. Why music? And I so want to talk about, you know, Artists for Peace. You, yeah. You've got a scholarship uh, around Canadian therapy and mental health issues. I mean, it's it's a truism to music is peaceful or can be. Music brings community. It's it's a place of being at home. I'd love to hear from you the, the bigger why. You, you know, I am. Uh... I am a chaotic experience, right? And I <laughs> I spent great. a lot of time being told that my chaos was not the way I should be and and, and not a, a healthy place to be in. And you know I'm pretty defiant. So I just thought, well, most people who tell me what my life ought to be like are people who either A, I don't respect their path or B, they don't look particularly zenned out either. <laughs> right. So they're no experts. So what I decided to do was lean into the parts of my personality that were the things that made me the most me, which is I am equally parts, equal parts compassionate and chaotic. And so I can be calm and I can be a, a storm at once. And that's the title I, of your autobiography, George, yeah. <laughs> compassionate and chaotic. Compassionate chaotic. But what I realized, David, is that especially when I was maybe five, six, seven, eight years old, music was this perfect storm of rebellion and freedom. So listening to uh, a Bob Dylan track when I'm seven was a way for me to lose myself in a bigger world. I think in part too, because I come from a small world, right? You come from really poor neighborhoods and really rough places. And so your world is as big as basically your block. And you, there's no out. There's no way out of this. This is your life. There's no sure. path. There's no cavalry coming, right? This is right, it. Right. Um, and and I, I suspect a part of me was like, well, was, well, I, I don't want this. I like this, but I want something on top of this music took me to those places but because i was rebellious and, and remained so the music of my really young days the the beginning of metal and punk and the beginning of rap all happened between when i was five and 12 years old so if you think about you know when you and i went to go see dylan in the mid 80s together when i was really young that was 
I had been three years into the discovery of brand new bands, Slayer, Venom, Metallica, then Guns N' Roses happened. But I was also listening to Bob Dylan and John Prine and Johnny Cash and Patti Smith. Such, and the Clash. such an eclectic mix, right? But because it was the Beautiful. era. Yeah. yeah. And, we're, and we were the most diverse era. Now everybody says, oh, people like all kinds of music. That's totally a lie. People basically listen to one kind of music. Unless you're a Gen Xer, then you have a much wider view. Now, of course, in every demographic, there are, there are uh, um, anomalies and outliers. But for the most part, we were uh, from an era where the explosion, we were, we were the age of enlightenment musically. Right. And what could be better than going from a brand new John Prine record to a brand new Slayer record to, a, you know, to later Time Out of Mind, which was incredible, to um, to the beginning of Public Enemy. Like all that was happening in these really formative years. So my neurons were firing and constantly being um, challenged the music I listened to challenged my worldview. It's it cool. didn't, it did it. not reinforce it. And I think that's really crucial to my life. And so at the, at the end of the day, I care about politics and people and everything else, partly because of the bands I liked, because yeah, John Lennon sense. and Joe Strummer did. So yeah, for sure. that's what I'm going to do. George, what about that paradox? I mean, going from Public Enemy to 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 Bob Dylan, yeah. you know, like not only musically, but maybe maybe they're akin more lyrically, but yeah. musically, certainly quite a contrast there. Did Definitely. That, was that a yeah. bit of the pushback? Um, yeah, there's. I think the the heavy stuff, the really scary satanic stuff, especially because we both come from religious backgrounds, the the, the satanic stuff was definitely pushed back. Um, but you know what it was to me? Everything is a fight, right? Everything right, is a fight. Right. And all the music that I loved was a fight in some way. It was either an external fight or an internal fight. And then that that really spoke to me. I just got really lucky that the the chaos in my mind found a place where it wasn't where it wasn't wrong you know the space of that kind of music look the really dark nasty stuff i don't know where that came from i don't know where the satanism in the music came from the really dark metal stuff my mother said she that you know my mom she's sweet as ever, as ever and she said you're the sweet little boy who was from the age four drawn to bats and demons and spiders and snakes and crazy stuff and she's like that's always been you which makes me think that it was just always me right it's not so much nurture my wiring was where's the right. darkness you know well and there's there's got to be there's got to be a freedom in that as well george we're going to come right back i want to keep this going we're, we're barely scratching the surface here but yeah. so great to have you on the show uh, george strombolopoulos host and producer of the strombo show on apple music you can listen to it in one of 165 countries around the world i'm david peck and this is on point Welcome back to On Point. I'm David Peck, and I'm so thrilled to have uh, George Strombolopoulos uh, with us here tonight, host and producer of The Strombo Show on Apple Music. George, I think I'm a little annoyed that we only have about 10 more minutes together. It's weird because I, I yeah, I know it's radio, right? So I, I'm just used <laughs> to let's just talk and put it all online. You know? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. And you know a little bit about radio. I've, yeah. I've done my research. 31 years now, I think. 31 or 30. Is, my first pirate radio station in Rexdale, um that's that was wild 1991 yeah i'm 31 years into this career nonstop. it's been pretty i've been very very lucky and radio is so much fun to do well and you're still going strong without the red bull so this is a good yeah. sign well listen when i go to burning man it's the only time i let myself drink red bull so it's going to be a week of partying with live music like electronic music and red bull i'm going to really enjoy this <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so talk to me a little bit about this uh, 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 scholarship and 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 that sense of uh, um, hmm, that sense yeah. of that sense of freedom. You know, um, this therapy program because there's there's a there's a connect there for sure. Yeah, you know, the music therapy trust fund is a really amazing. Uh, organization and a wonderful group of people. Uh, I met the ones in Toronto. I've worked with Music Heels out in Vancouver, and I will be back in the fall doing that. Um, you know, we, we're in a, we live in an era of results based investment, and I, I think that there's a, a I get it, but I think there's a danger in expecting results to justify your investment. So what I like about music therapy is it's not a results-based initiative. So I started a scholarship to uh, fund now two students to get scholarships to become registered music therapists because music in the hand of a trained professional can provide an enormous amount of therapy, but really comfort. So what we're dealing with, David, is people who are in palliative care, uh, uh, you know, recipients, uh, the, the beneficiaries, the people who are, you know, physically you know, compromised or maybe mentally compromised in a way, they're 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 not getting better by our definition. So it's not about a government saying, "Oh, we put this much money in and this is what we got." That's not what I'm. A, that's not what interests me in this world. What interests me in this world are we good company and are we caring for people regardless of the situation they're in? And music therapy doesn't get nearly the attention that it deserves, and it is so powerful you see these videos online all the time of somebody who's got alzheimer's uh when they hear a song and how they light up because of where music sits in the brain so what i really wanted to do was just train music therapists by helping fund their education so they can go and provide more services because the government's not there for it the private sector is not really there for it in a way that they need to be and of course the music thing is a real connection um but i don't really need the connection to want to do it, it it's it's right. just more it's just more like man there are a lot of people who are in great states of distress and just a little a little presence of somebody else playing some songs with them and letting them play along and doing it with a kindness and a warmth that's the city that i believe in mm. that's the toronto you know i'm a I, I don't believe a country or a city is something to brag about I think whatever it is you you think you're bragging about should actually be the goals you're trying to achieve and once you've achieved those goals, stop bragging and or don't brag, build another set of goals to make it better. So I look at the version of Toronto that I wish existed, mm. that doesn't really exist, but it exists in pockets with people doing things. So I, I, Bono told me once that he went to a priest and said, how can I get God to bless my work? And the priest looked at Bono and says, why don't you find out where he's currently working? Chances are it's already blessed. Right. Trying to make them fit into your thing. Fantastic. Yeah. Where's it working? And yeah. I, I I really took that to heart, which is where I don't need to, like where where is this already happening that could really use some attention and I could provide the resources that I'm lucky enough to be able to provide. And so that's why I got involved in the music therapy. And it's an amazing group. Uh, again, it's a small group. It's the financial realities are it's very difficult. I really want the governments to get more involved to finance it. Um, and I hope one day that that will happen. But in the meantime, I don't wait for governments. I do what I can, and and that's the game. Yeah, that's amazing. So yeah, you're not you're not you're not just bragging about it. You're 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 doing it. You're in. Yeah, and and I and I don't want to brag about it. Yeah, yeah because it's yeah. it's it's, it's th this is my job as a person. Yeah. Like your job in Cambodia. Like this is our job as people. If we are we won the lottery being born where we were born in the situation we were born in. Yeah, for sure. So. Accident would isn't that is that Jeffrey Sachs or Bono, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Second time we yeah. invoke Bono's name tonight. So I'm looking for a third, George. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Acc- oh, there's accident- many. Oh, there's many. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> accident of geography. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, so with that, with the privilege that comes with that, you know, you, you better do something. This world's not just yours for you. And life is not yours to live for you. I just don't see it that way. You know, we entered into a social contract and the social contract is, Hey, we look at everybody else and what do you need? I'm still going to get what I want. I'm still going to do what I want, but I don't get to do what I want at the expense of others. George, there's a sense. I think that we're born with our sleeves rolled up. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along the way, they they either get I don't know I, I don't know how far I can extend yes. this metaphor, but you you know where I'm coming from, right? Well, it's you and I f- both we're both from pretty blue collar backgrounds. We're both from you know you know neighborhoods that were thrown overboard by the infrastructure of the city and the province. Our city where we where we met that little town was in between two cities and kind of an afterthought. And the yeah, our, our sleeves were rolled up and our arms were scarred and our knees were scraped early. And I find that instead of trying to cover them up and pretend I'm not from there, it's like, right. do what that place taught me. Sure, sure. Which is to care. Yeah, to care. So just before we head to some of your other charitable work that you do with the World Food Program, global food crisis, lots of stuff to talk about there. But this idea of music as therapy, I mean, isn't I mean, George, when I get in the car mm-hmm. and I'm I'm a little off, whatever that means, yeah. emotionally, physically, spiritually, I put on a song and immediately, pretty much, you can mm-hmm. say without question, the tone changes. Totally. It's emotional, it's physiological. And and I so I, I kind of wonder to what degree we're all kind of in the middle of it. We just got to get people to recognize that and yeah, get and, more and support so, for this program. And so that is music being therapeutic for us, right? Now take that experience, put it in the hand of a trained professional right. who knows how to take that, the value of that, sure. and through playing, through participation, getting nice. somebody else yeah. to have that experience who doesn't get to get in the car, right? It's That's the real difference is that we all know the value of music in our lives, but imagine when that is laser focused on a version of company and healing. That's really powerful. Uh, that's beautiful. And I so love the way you bookended that kind of with, you know, that results-based management approach yeah. versus the artistic kind of living in the world approach. I think it's I think it's beautiful. You know, heavy metal music made me realize I was going to be okay. And punk rock made me want to make sure you were okay. And that's what I I had to learn. Fantastic. You know, but that's really the key. So for me, I feel like my entire reason for being is because I got so lucky that my brain chemistry didn't have me listening to pop music. Like my brain chemistry (laughs) had me listening to something that like when I watched the world go turn on, you know, on fire for the last few years in the ways that it was, I'm just sitting around with my friends rather cynically saying, what did you think was going to happen like the music that i've been listening to for my entire life has been telling us this is coming to be from forever and that it's currently happening in other places in the world so everybody just got like oh my god this all oh, this and that i'm like yeah well what what do you, have you not been paying attention where, where have so, you been yeah where have you been because if you were in my music collection you would have heard, <laughs> you would have because a lot of my friends would be like, this music is unsettling and i'm like welcome to welcome to the world welcome to the real world yeah <laughs> absolutely so so as we get closer to wrapping up by the way i would love to flip through some of your music collection down the road um world food program we we've got uh, ukrainian war we've got insecure global insecurities a crisis of kind of epic proportions it's in the news on the hour um can you talk a tiny bit about that work with wfp and, and why it yeah. matters to you 
Yeah, the WFP, I feel like, operates on a couple of different levels. One of them is the global long-term, how do we address the root causes of a of a crisis and, and create a version of capacity and sustainability for a region. And then there is there is crisis that needs to be addressed right now. So, right. and 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 the the challenge with the global the World Food Program being a part of the United Nations, which is really the Security Council and a bunch of member states, is that you, you, when the WFP first approached me to be a part of their organization, I actually said no for a year. I just didn't because I didn't want to be involved with the UN. I just didn't want to. Right, and, right. Too much, too much bad press, or you just well, and it was just, idea. it was just like I didn't really think that it would. I didn't know. I was like, man, I don't think this is that effective. But I talked to Stephen Lewis. And Stephen Lewis said to me, and he, you know, he was the envoy, special envoy for the HIV AIDS pandemic. And Stephen Lewis said, if you're going to get involved with the UN, WFP is the place to go. So I did. And uh, I've traveled the world with him and seen the work they do. And wh why it's important to me is that I, I, I don't really buy into the borders concept. There is no over there. There's no over there. It's yeah, just great. people. It's just people. And if you really want to, you know, whittle it down to the to the rings and the stump what we know is that almost no there are a handful of moments but very rarely is a situation a group of people in dire straits that isn't somehow affected by the global economy or the global mining business or just the world of crony capitalism that we live in, right? So when you look at what's going on in Haiti, that's not Haiti. That's interference from our country and other countries. You look at what the colonizers did in Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa, where I spend a lot of the, my energy working, even in parts of South Asia, you know the role of, of the countries that we benefit from today so this is our responsibility as, as 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 a people so that's the reason why i wanted to get involved i also like the fact that the, the world food program i've been in the tents where they've built you know ramshackle makeshift maternity health wards um because you know in your travels that women are the very first to be uh victimized uh, and to not be fixed and not be saved and not be helped uh, and to be endangered, frankly. So I, uh, the World Food Program, in many cases, put women first, which I think is really crucial, and, mm. um, and maternal health, which is really crucial. And I, I just really like the way they operate. And I like David Beasley, who's the um, executive director. He's a, he's, he's a free hand, you know? <laughs> and I like that. He kind of, he calls out Elon Musk and he calls Elon's bluff. Right. And shows Elon to be who he really is, right? But Beasley, I don't think Beasley wanted, I don't think the, that post was his, I, I don't think that was his thing to start, but he got it and he was like, oh, I get it now. I see what this is. Like, I'm, I, he's good at it. And I like people like that. That And look, it, it got the Nobel Peace Prize for a reason. Yeah. And the World Food Program got that for a reason because they do an enormous amount of work at great risk. And they help. They really help food, shelter, security that kind of stuff to me is the base level of the human experience and we a lot of us you know you and i but a lot of people listening not everybody because canada is also very compromised um a lot of people get to enjoy things that are basics for us that other people don't and if we know that like once you know it yeah you can't ignore it well you, you kind of can't it. go you kind of kind of can't can't go back no you can't. And the W, listen, I, you know, I've, I've been very lucky to have a, a career as a public face for a long time. And if, if we can raise money using that platform and, you know, being in the public eye, David is, is a lot like a, a bright light being shone on you. And 
you, you really need to deflect that light to the corners of the room where the light is better served. Because if you leave it on you, which is what most people do, it burns you in the end and it exposes you in the end. And I don't, I've never valued that part of this experience. I listen, I like the fact that I got to a point in Canada where, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I had a career. I liked what I did. And, you know, there were lots of perks that came with it and I enjoyed that. But it wasn't about that. Right. It was, it was, oh, wait, if I can take this attention and do what Joe Strummer taught me to do, do what Henry Rollins taught me to do, right? Point it in another direct, yeah. do what Dylan taught me to do, do what you taught me to do. Like that to me was my way of feeling okay about it. And That's I think a lot of it comes from my, my mom. You know, my mom doesn't care what I do for a living and never did. It's what kind of person I am that really matters. And it's, and so yeah. that's the teachings. It's so good, George. I mean, honestly, we could, we, well, I feel like we could keep this going and I trust our listeners could too. We've got, you know, Diane Ackerman said in uh, Natural History of the Senses, she said that the purpose of art is to shine light yeah. into the darkness. I love how you say the light is on you. Yes, mm -hmm. that can happen anywhere. Yeah. Now, now it's time to redirect it where it's better served. That's beautiful, man. Seriously, it's amazing. The, gr the greatest, um, the greatest crime of the human brain is ego, and this idea. People will tell you. I when I was coming up in the business, people say you need a little bit of ego. You don't. You don't need any ego at all. What you need wow. is an awful lot of confidence, and that's not the same thing as ego. You need to have a belief in yourself. Sure. That is not ego. The ego part is where you place value on what you do above other things. I have no, I place no value on my career aside from it is a thing that I do that provides a life that I like. And I get to share music and ideas and conversations with people in hopes that maybe people go to bed a little bit more enriched emotionally sure. than they did when they woke up. That's my, that was my intention in this career. But the ego part is very, very dangerous. Um, and I try to tell this to young kids all the time coming up in the business. It's like, yo, dude, all the stuff you want, you're going to get anyway, if you do it the right way. Right. But if you do it that way, you kind of suck. And there's no, just, and don't, don't suck because in our business, there's no ceiling in our, because we live in a world where fame is a target now, but fame opens doors that many other things don't open. Sure. And so what does that cost? Well, that costs you everything if you get it wrong, but if you get it right, well, you can do a lot of good with that and you can go to bed feeling okay with who you it's are. Great. So that's George, how I approach it. It's great. Love, love that idea of cost and, and, and doing it right. George, thanks. Thanks a bundle for, for spending some time with me on the show tonight. It's been such a pleasure having you. I, I trust our listeners have enjoyed uh, this a little deeper dive with you as well. Uh, we've been talking with George Strombolopoulos. He's the host and producer of the Strombo show on Apple music, listened to in over 165 countries. George, I sure hope uh, we'll be chatting again sometime soon. Thanks I look for forward to it, me. brother. Thanks for having me. My name's David Peck, and you've been listening to On Point.